0: Alright everybody, it's Friday That means it is our Locked On Summer road trip This time we are headed to Detroit And are never a shortage of things To talk about when it's the Avalanche And the Red Wings Let's get to this, a crossover Between us, the Avalanche, and the Locked On Red Wings
1: Your Locked On Avalanche Your daily podcast on the Colorado Avalanche Part of the Locked On Podcast Network Your team every day
0: All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Locked on Avalanche. We are joined by the host of Locked on Detroit Red Wings, Brian Fisher and Scott Bentley. Of course, Mr. Shaggy Von du my co-host over at Locked on Avalanche. Thank you for tuning in, making this your first listen of the day. That is always appreciated. Uh, yeah, we, we are uh, a lot to get to on this episode uh, because when is there not anything to talk about when it's the Avalanche and the Red Wings? I mean, I think... Things have have calmed down between the fan bases, but it's still there. It's still in the background. It's always in the back of the mind, is it not? Well, it's not only. It's I think what has also helped is that both teams
2: are very like their front offices and coaching staffs are like very like the old boys
0: club is like very much still like kind of running (laughs) both. So I think that that's
2: probably fueled it a little bit longer as well. Yes,
0: so uh, a lot to get to. You can see on the the rundown over there, if you're joining on YouTube, we'll get to uh, what the expectations are for this Red Wings team uh, this season. We'll talk about Darren Helm. It's it's not very often a player can bring these two fan bases together. (laughs) He somehow did that. Uh, But we're going to start with another player that is now going to be playing for both of these franchises. Uh, we'll get to everything that, that the Red Wings have done over this, this offseason so far, which is a ton. Uh, but we're going to start, obviously, with JT Comfort. He was you know, signed by the Red Wings 5.1 AAV. What was the term on that, fellas? Five years. years. Five years? Okay. Um, we kind of knew in Avalanche Land that he, he was not going to be hanging around. The, the center market was pretty thin. You knew he was going to probably cash in somewhere else. He did that. Detroit, I think, was one of the teams that people were kind of throwing around um, among others. But, you know, going to Michigan for his college career, uh, I think some people figured if it's not the Avalanche, Red Wings could be a a buyer for him. They are. I want to get your take, or they were. I want to get your take on, on just bringing him in. Was it as expected? Was it at the number you guys are comfortable with?
1: Uh, Well, Scotty and I talked a lot during before the free agency period opened about guys that we would want the Red Wings to bring in. And he was like on the list for us because the Red Wings going in, I mean, they weren't a playoff team. They have a lot of holes to fill. Number one, they needed scoring. Number two, they need center depth, three defense Four, goaltending. i just mean, kind of addressed all those things this off season, mm-hmm. but center depth was a huge thing. And I looked at the, I looked at the list and it was, let's be honest, a weak free agent market this year. And I was like, JT conference like the best available player and coming off a career year of 52 points and 82 games played with what was as, as far as I can remember, you guys correct me if I'm wrong. a really banged up Colorado avalanche team for the bulk of the season. Like, he was, due to, get, he was due to get, he was to get paid, okay. <laughs> and yeah. I, I think he got paid a little bit more than I'm comfortable would have been comfortable giving him. But again, that's I think a consequence of it being a weak, for agent market. And I yeah. think he, again, I think he just makes the team better. So I'm overall happy with the signing. Yeah,
2: well, I mean, we, uh, we, we celebrated it for sure. And and to Brian's point, like the the term, I want to ask you all about the the AAV especially because that was something that we had talked about and and we're like yeah like it's it's more like the the weak free agent class as brian said like certainly helps that like helps him in that case when he's one of the better players on the market for sure but um uh, we were at the end of the day pretty pleased with it and this is a, a team that in the red wings that has a ton of cap like flexibility we just actually yesterday's show was like a whole episode about like the cap flexibility that the wings have going forward and still at their hands currently so um kind of like uh well kind of take the overpay a little bit. It's not like we're we're paying somebody who's over the hill, like he's in his prime years kind of thing. Like, yeah, we'll 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 live with it. You know, special teams, he can play multiple roles and all that. So we were pleased, but I did want your guys' opinion, obviously as the team that chose to not bring him back, how you felt about the contract that he ended up getting.
0: Go ahead, Kyle.
3: Aha! No. <laughs> like point one is definitely, I mean, an overpay a little bit. In Colorado, yes, he came off a contract year, but the number that was being kicked around was like three, three and a half, maybe four, because, yes, you are getting him off a contract year, but something we – not only just JT Comfort, but last year entirely, me and Chris and all the everydayers know – we went player-by-player player listing grades, and inconsistency was the tone for a lot of players to step up. They just did not do it. And JT comfort had the opportunity to step up. Yes, he had career bests in points, but you just never know what JT Comfort you're going to get. And we always say, like Chris especially, when it comes to the playoffs, playoff JT Comfort is what you want to see. Yeah. Last year, you didn't see that. Was, which was weird. So- it's it's very it's it's very weird he had everything going for him and it just didn't click so I don't know if it's a change of scenery that's going to help but I'm also curious is what are you expecting out of JT Comfer as Mm. you know the former home of JT Comfer we know kind of what to expect because there's no consistency there but what are you expecting for his contributions to the Red Wings
2: well, I I mean, I think so. Brian and I did a we, we've done a couple of episodes kind of like laying out what we expect like the lines to be already, which is like it's July, but like you know what I mean, like sure, right yeah. now. Yeah, after More after like free the agency, yeah. right? We <laughs> added so many players that like it was kind of like justified just because of the influx of talent. So um with him, our expectation right now is we actually had a debate, Brian and I, on the show on whether he was going to be the 2C or the 3C. I think we're kind of leaning toward three at, at currently with Andrew Kopp being the 2C. Um, but, like, those are, you know, performance can change. Those two are pretty, uh, I don't know, close enough where, like, mm-hmm. that becomes a conversation. Um, and then, I mean, special teams, it was power play, right, that, like, he, he did well in. So, like, the, I think they're expecting currently our expectations are a solid help on on the power play and depth center it might even end up being bottom six center which is like a, a weird to say for a guy we just gave five mil but like right i think if he's getting solid minutes when it comes to third line center and the minutes he'll get on the power play that that'll probably even itself out so that's kind of where i stand i don't know if you're you know dramatically different or not brian
1: no, I mean, you laid it out nicely. Uh, what we talked about on the episode the other day, it's somewhere gonna be two or three C, like maybe two C if Andrew Cop goes back to his wing. Like there's a debate whether or not Andrew Cop's a better yeah. winger than he is a center. His big thing is he can apparently win face offs. We so didn't see a whole lot of that last year. But coming off a pretty major surgery. So like if Marco Casper makes the roster, you move Cop to wing, then you could see a future of like, Okay, well, Comfort can play like two C, but I, I think as it stands right now, you're, you're down the middle is looking like it's going to be Larkin cop Comfer Valeno, assuming Valeno ever signs his RFA contract. Uh, Cause that's still not done yet, but you know, it five point. I just keep going back to it. as much as I like Comfer as a signing. And I like him as a player. I mean, paying $5.1 million for five years for your third line center just seems steep, but Maybe it's not steep. Maybe this is what's success. I mean, you guys were you won the Stanley Cup last year. Maybe you can tell me, like, do you yeah. pay three C's five plus million dollars? The Red Wings haven't been there in over a decade, uh, so what do I know anymore? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you pay them
0: four million, is which is what exactly the Avalanche just did. And and I think there's a lot of Avalanche fans listening to you guys right now say that that you you know you like the player. You're you question the the value the the dollar value for a three C because there's a lot of Avalanche fans right now who who are. Not, not that they hate the Ross Colton deal that they just signed for the four for four, sure. um, but that's who he's replacing is JT Comfort. And you, and, you know, for you guys to say, like, yeah, he could be a two. That is one thing he can do. I'll tell you that. Like, he can go up and down the lineup. So, yeah, if you need to slot him in at a two C, he will be completely fine doing that. If for whatever reason you guys have some injuries, he's got to step up to the top line he could do that too. He he's comfortable. He is a, a cool as they come. Nothing really. And when you'll see when he does like interviews, he's very like monotone. Mm -hmm. He doesn't get excited. Uh, he, and and he kind of plays that way, even on the ice. he could, he could have a five point night and you wouldn't know it because he's just very calm, cool, collected. Um, and so you like that about him. Like he doesn't really just show like this Nathan McKinnon over the top emotion type of guy. Um, But I think for for abs fans like they they were I think they were attached to him just because he had, you know, a a good amount of years there. But, yes, I always looked forward to playoff JT comfort that that's kind of where he he always had those those years that, like Kyle was saying, just very like inconsistent or consistently inconsistent, I guess we'll say. (laughs) Uh, But when it got to the playoffs, he did turn it up a dial. And he and that's kind of really where he had excelled. So he has qualities that you like. You mentioned the power play; he, he's he's very good. He finds uh, good op- open spaces on the power play. He played more the, the second unit for for the Avalanche. I don't know if where he's going to be on the Red. I don't know what the Red Wings power play unit looks like where he would slot in.
1: Probably power play two. I would imagine yeah, Larkin will be two. your center power play one. So. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do, if he can continue um, his last year with the Avalanche, did what he was supposed to do, had a career year and a contract year in a weak center market. And good for, and, and these are two teams that are in different, uh, you know, spots when it comes to the cap. I bring up the Red Wings cap friendly. You guys are making moves left and right and how do you still have 7 million right. dollars? It's
1: crazy. And then next year they're supposed to have like another 30 million barring any yeah. huge extensions kicking in, but Unbelievable. That that's yeah. what our whole episode on uh Wednesday was about right. was yeah. the the rolling cap space that the Red Wings have.
2: It's rolling. It's Eiserman refuses to give out contracts more than 4 years unless your name's Dylan Larkin. Like so the <laughs> every year we have Plenty of people coming off the book just as much, and you know, and it gives you the flexibility that that's really all it is. Wow.
3: Yeah, and and that I think that's the biggest surprise when we talk about this JT Comfort contract is that money because Stevie Y and this rebuild and this well, the eternal rebuild that has become Detroit is how smart they've been with money and how they could put contracts together. And for JT Comfort to command 5.1 when, yes, realistically, he might be a 3C for you guys for a while. Yeah. It's just it kind of stands out, but
2: <clears throat> I hope it works out for you. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, same. It's, it's And I I think, you know, you, you mentioned earlier, you guys had mentioned the the versatility of him. I think that that certainly plays, not that that single-handedly makes it, you know, justifiable or whatnot, but I think that that plays a role too, you know, like whatever injuries will happen. Lineup shuffling is bound to happen with this team and this coaching staff. It's like their favorite mm-hmm. thing to do. So, like, I, I'm sure he'll – you know, on opening night, if he's 3C, I'm sure by, you know, American Thanksgiving, he's going to be, like, somewhere different. Like, that's just yeah, yeah. kind of right. how it is. So, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see. But that definitely was the biggest thing for sure.
0: All right. Uh, let's take a quick break here from FanDuel, and then uh, we'll discuss another player that has ties to both of these teams, and that is, of course, Darren Helm. But first, you can take your swing at betting Major League Baseball on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to two hundred dollars that's right just bet 20 bucks and you'll land two hundred dollars in bonus back bonus bets and you get that win or lose and that two hundred dollars you can spend on everything from the money line to the over under to who you think is going to be who hit the first home run uh i'm assuming you guys are are tiger fans
3: uh, how, how I'm
0: the host of Locked On Tigers. Actually, I didn't yes. know that. <laughs> I did not know that, sir. Wow, you're pulling double duty here. at Locked I, on. I sure uh, am. Yeah. How are the Tigers? I don't. I haven't really been paying too much. B- uh, well,
2: it's you know, <laughs> relative to the last six years, better, but still not 500. So take that as you will. All I guess. right.
0: All right. Still the the Jim Leland smoking uh, cigarette image. The dog. Is <laughs> one Absolutely. Of the best go. Ever. Yeah. Uh, you can do this all on an app that's safe, secure, super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid. Instantly there's no better place to bet on major league baseball than FanDuel America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get up to $200 in bonus bets. FanDuel.com slash locked on FanDuel is the official partner of major league baseball. All right. Uh Darren Helm, obviously uh, he, he played a lot more for the Red Wings than he did with the Avalanche. And in his short amount of time with the abs, um, People just fell in love with the guy. Um As not only for yeah, not <laughs> only for how he played, but um he will forever have one of the most memorable goals in, in Avalanche playoff history.
1: As he does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he,
0: he will do that,
1: yeah. And yeah, he's
0: he's got a penchant for that. But um, you know, that the last second shot to beat St. Louis, it, it was it was a thing of beauty. Um the last year, like Everybody else seemed to have uh, injury issues with the Avs, so he tried to come back multiple times. Just couldn't do it. You were hoping that he would give it one more go around, have one more solid season. Uh, you always want that for certain guys to like end, uh, and, you know, and and to end, you know, the John Elway uh, mm-hmm. leaving at the at the top, but it wasn't in the cards for him. But still, a great career.
1: I Talk about his right wings. Bo- I can't believe you didn't go with the Ray Bork there leaving at the top. There
0: you go. Well, yes. I mean, <laughs> that's true. I mean, it, it when, right you go between, when you go between like – when you're talking like Colorado sports, I mean, it's it always goes – all roads lead back to Elway. True. But you that's are right. right. You right. are right with, with the with
1: – <laughs> we, we literally Borg. just talked about Ray Bork the other day too, about – because we talked about how the Red Wings – not to go off on a tangent, sorry, yeah, yeah. but uh, like talking about guys whose names and numbers could be retired by the Red Wings that aren't right now. And we talked about how the Red Wings – no offense, but the Red Wings have a high, like a really high standard. We're not, and I was like because the Avalanche retired Ray Bork's number after what a year and a half.
0: They did with yeah, your organization. It's, it's a little bit of a controversy, but yeah. Hey, <laughs> uh, yeah, but it yeah, is what it is. <laughs> Darren
1: Helm. I mean, you got you, you, in your explanation, your breakdown of Darren Helm there. You basically encapsulated the the thoughts and the feelings of Red Wings fans about Darren Helm. Um, in just a season and eleven games out of him, that he gave you, Colorado Uh fan favorite, memorable moments. One of the most memorable moments, at least in recent history, for Red Wings fans, and often injured. Uh, Uh Because that was that was our experience. He played fourteen years here, and that's what he's remembered for: Uh, the overtime winner against the Chicago Blackhawks to send the Red Wings to the Stanley Cup final. I believe that was in two thousand nine. That was the year he did it, Uh, and then constantly being injured. And then just being a fan favorite with all the, the amount of heart, hustle, and absolute yeah. sheer speed with zero scoring ability that he had, zero. it yeah. <laughs> well, was when he did. They, they were beautiful, right? Oh, uh, <laughs> we he loved Darren Detroit. Uh, it was crazy,
3: and the amount of time that he like with the beginning of his journey, like starting it out in the minors, and when he does come up, it matters. And his it, it's it's a great story. And when we were talking about like injury deficits when it comes to the Avalanche in last season. And just like this overall storied career. Like Darren Helms is classic of a guy and a classy individual. And for him to have a career with both of these storied organizations, it's just, it's poetic hockey hockey romance personified. Literally.
2: I mean, he, he is, he's like, if you were to make a movie about like a hockey player, it would literally be Darren Helm's career. Like just like (laughs) constant, you know, adversity, like hurt all the time. Like the, you know, I mean, like everything, like back, legs, like you name it. Like at one point we had like a serious injury involving it. Um, But like when he first came up, may i mean he right like the goal obviously like the shift like people literally just call it like the the shift yeah. like darren Helm you know there's the youtube video of his uh against the blackhawks like yeah, he's
1: he penalty kill too in that series that people right are. yeah yeah of like so it's just
2: like he has and, and then you know like i said like injuries like not playing a bunch like then goes to uh, a different team, like, oh, you know, last hurrah, I'm gonna like score like a, an incredibly important <laughs> goal just the same way at the end of my career that I did to start my career. and then, you know, ride right off into the sunset kind of thing, like just you know, not a perfect ending. like it really is it's 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 a how can you not be romantic about hockey type of type of career, truly. You, so, he
1: really well, should have not run it back one last time. like he started his career, at the Stanley sure. Cup championship. He can could have imagine? finished it. With yeah. a Stanley Cup championship and we'll just been like, it. I'm done. Yeah, that. I mean, that's that's what I'm
0: saying. That's, that's the poetic way to do it. For you guys, what was – I mean, how, how do you – what was your rooting interest during that cup final between <laughs> the Avs and the Lightning? It, was it one of those things where it's just like, I can't root for the avalanche, but when it's
1: over – all right. Helmer got another one that that will put a smile on my face. How Literally. did it go for you guys? Well, we can't root for the lightning either. Same division. They won two straight cups. I personally <laughs> was like, I'm done with the lightning. I yeah. was actively rooting for the avalanche and that's right. going to come a, as a, maybe a blasphemous statement to some of our listeners. But I mean, the brawls happened in the nineties. Like that was right. 25 right. years <laughs> ago at this point, I'm 27. So to so me, you remember it fondly is what you're saying. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I understand, but like, these are completely, and Scotty to Scotty's credit, like you mentioned front office is very much like those. That's the core is those guys, but like this team, they're not the same teams anymore. Right. They're very vastly different teams. None of the players from those years are there. So like, I'm like that rivalry is bookended. It's in the past. Like this right. is a new avalanche team. And I really like kale McCarr. And I really like Nathan McKinnon. And I really love me some Darren Helm. So let's get them a cup Cause they are too good to never have a cup. <laughs>
2: It quite literally, Darren Helm single handedly started one of the most chaotic like forty eight hour periods on Red Wings Twitter. I think I've ever seen because <laughs> everybody was just arguing about whether it was okay to root for the Abs in the Cup. Like wow. legitimately, that was like everybody was like, "No, you can never do it." And then you know, like mostly the younger crowd was like, "What are you talking about? Like we want to see Darren Helm get a ring, like another one kind of thing." Like. It, it i mean genuinely for like 2 days straight it was just absolute you couldn't do anything without seeing a bunch of people fighting and calling each other names over whether it was okay to root for the abs and the cops so like who you asked that because that was incredibly controversial 2 years ago at this time also yeah. like
1: yeah, the biggest part of the controversy like or the the rivalry was Claude Lemieux right like yeah. that was the big focal yeah, he's point Asian. He's more of Cider's yep. agent. So like <laughs> there it's kind of we're at a point now where it's yeah. all just like you throw your hands in the air you go whatever. Right. I'm yeah. I'm with
0: I'm with you guys. Like I was 15 16 when that rivalry was going on. So like I was in the throes of it and, and remember it fondly, but you're right. Like it was a moment in time. It was a great moment in time. Fantastic. And we can always look back on it saying like, that was one of hockey and sports greatest rivalries ever. Mm-hmm. And you know, now that they don't play like they're in opposite conferences and like they don't play all the time. Now it's, it's fun to revisit it whenever they play each other. But I think that the hatred to me is, is gone. I don't think it's there anymore. Um, and, and for us, if, if the roles were reversed and you guys make a Stanley cup with JT confer on your team, uh, depending on who you play, I think that's, you know, it's the matchup, right? I don't, I can't think of a, a Western conference team that I really care about that I would want. Uh, I can tell you this, if it was Vegas, oh, it's red Wings all day, <laughs> <laughs> red wings all day, sweep them don't You know what I mean? But, uh, no, I, I th- and I think Kyle's in the same boat. Like you guys are a classic team. You're an original yeah. six team. Uh, I think the only original sixteen, like I cannot get behind, is Boston. Other than that, no complaints uh, like, here. So it, it was fun to hate on them in the '90s and the early 2000s, but uh, I, I think collectively, and it is generational, right? You were saying, like on on Twitter, like maybe the older crowd, like my my crowd, was saying, like, no, you can't root for them. But some of the younger was like, why do you hate them so much? <laughs> and yeah. so it makes a lot of sense. But yeah, I think yeah, I was I, in the same boat. I, I think the rivalry is like in school
3: you competed with that one person with grades all the time and it was just compete, compete, compete. And you're graduated and you see that person out in the store and you just kind of give them a nod. Like we went through a lot, but look at where we are <laughs> oh, right yes. now. I think that's where we are as teams. Like we went through a lot. We're not there anymore. We're not competing against each other. Like we used to, the road doesn't go through detroit and colorado like it used to yeah. we're in two completely different conferences it's divisions everything is completely different we've moved on but there's still that little nod of
2: i remember you oh, but yeah. things are different i think I it's it. That's like a fantastic way to yeah. put it honestly like it's yeah. like uh you know you, yeah you, you you sit down whatever 20 years later and you're like man like that was crazy but like it, it hasn't been a thing in a long time and like i mean obviously you know if Lord willing, they, these two teams were to meet in the cup in the Ooh. future, then it would I mean, instantly probably like all yeah. oh, uh, oh, come, come rush back. back for a it lot. I'll come back. Like, all,
0: gloves are off, yeah. right? Yeah, but like as
2: it stands right now, I think it's it's you know like the Red Wings Twitter account tweets out like Happy Turtle Day every year. Like it's like a fun thing to like do, like in that regard. Mm. But like it's not a. It, it's I don't know. I. Right. I it's, it's hard for me to like actively, like on a nightly basis when I'm watching hockey in the winter. I'm not like, oh, got to make sure the Avs lost tonight. Like, I don't <laughs> know. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, it's, it's far, far gone for sure.
0: So, you mentioned, um, you know, if these two teams were to, to make it to the Stanley Cup final. And why don't we just talk about that? Like, where the Red Wings stand going into uh, next season? I, rem- I was watching the draft and the Red Wings made, I think, their first pick. And then, uh, doing an interview, uh, you know, with ESPN. And he said something where he, he was, he's, I don't know verbatim what it was, but it was to the effect of like, we're not there yet. We're not there. Like we we haven't gone out and we're not going to go get that big name yet Hmm. because we don't feel like we're there. Um, and that was all bullcrap. I think like, because <laughs> I, was was that just like he's he's playing it so nobody thinks that like, he's a player, and then he goes and does what he did in 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 the free agency. So I mean, you guys have to be feeling well, even with all this money that you still have socked away, the moves that have been made this off season. And all the offseason that have come before it, like all those players are are kind of getting their due now. Not all of them, but a lot of them are getting their due. Like you have to be going into this season. And you did last season. Okay, anything is possible, but is it different this year? Because you guys, you guys are really set up to do, I don't want to say do damage, but you could you could force the issue. You're in a tough conference, however. What's your mindset right now going into this season?
1: Uh, I think so last off season, our Scotty and I talked and we were like, this team is better, but it's right. not there yet. We want to be in the wild card conversation for as long as possible. And they were, they were. I mean, going into the trade deadline, they were like right th- before those back-to-backs against Ottawa, where they crushed Ottawa, us yeah. and crushed our dreams. Um, the Red Wings were in a playoff spot. Uh, and then they didn't get eliminated from playoff contention until literally the final week of the season. This year uh-huh. Scotty and I have spoken we haven't done our whole Atlantic Division breakdown yet but we're pretty much in agreement that the expectation should be like wild card contention like not yeah. get eliminated last week but like <clears throat> you need to be pushing for that spot like in active contention not like oh well you didn't technically get eliminated until the last week of the season but like actually there in that conversation because after and I know it was a weak free agent class. And you, you mentioned the Eisman thing is so funny because Scotty and I have talked so much about how you can't believe anything <laughs> that Eisman says. Right. But when he said that, he got me like, he, mm. he, he got me. I was he like, Oh, it. just this man, Brian, I can't believe I... he's going to do this. And then he traded for DeBrinket. <laughs> but we We are of the mindset. Like this has to be the year where it changes. Like you can't get caught in that middle ground. You can't get caught like the Minnesota wild for decades. Now they're finally yeah. making the playoffs, still getting eliminated in the first round, mm-hmm. but you know, for decades, they were that team that just barely missed the playoffs every year. The Red Wings cannot afford to be that team because then you don't get good draft picks and you don't make the playoffs. So you, it's the worst of both worlds. They have that, you have to make that leap. And I think Iserman has poised the organization to make that leap as soon as this year. Now, I think once Casper and Danielson and Edmondson and all their other prospects, because they have one of the best prospect pools in the league as well, really start to crack the lineup, then you're going to really see this team take that real leap. But I mean, with the Brinkett and the free agent signings, this team is better on paper mm. than they were last year. Oh, absolutely. And I think that you could see them make a push just like you said, though, really tough division. Yeah. The, the division certainly
2: is like a, you know, is a, is a, is a huge factor there. I think it's funny after Iserman made those comments, Brian and I, Brian was like, I can't like, not like you not know, freaking out about it. He was like, I like that's so disheartening, whatever. And I was like, my rebuttal to all of it. Like I let him go for like whatever, five, seven minutes of just like how disappointed he was. And I was like, my opinion is Steve Eisenman's a liar. Like that is, yeah. like, that, is that is my opinion. Like this dude lies like that is that. And uh, he's, he's, you know, talks a lot and doesn't say anything like this dude is a, is a liar. And obviously the brinket thing happened. And yeah, I, 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 I emulate a a lot of what Brian said. I think, Last year, our prediction was, like, be one of the best teams to miss the postseason, and that's pretty much what happened. I think mm-hmm. we would have liked to be maybe a little closer at the end of it, but they sold at the deadline and whatnot. And um, and so I, I think that they did that decently well, and I think this year I, – I, I'm with Brian. I'm pretty lockstep there. I think the expect – I don't think it's ridiculous for a Red Wings fan going into opening night to be like, I expect this team to be in the wild card at the end of the season.
3: Yeah. <clears throat> and how do how do Red Wings fans feel, like we mentioned earlier, like the eternal rebuild that Detroit has been in? You guys are basically building this team in reverse of the rest of the teams in the East. I've, I follow a team or two in the East, and it's always like, load up your forwards, address everything afterwards. You have right. Billy Huso in net. You have a very solid top four when it comes to defense. Now the forwards are coming to play. Now you're starting to put those pieces together. Has the proof of concept this far into the never-ending rebuild, is it starting to show, and do you think this is the way you should go if you want to start knocking off the top of the teams in the East?
2: I mean, I love doing like the opposite of like the 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 mainstream flow there like there's a a plethora of examples obviously as you learned like i I host locked on tiger so there's a lot of examples in the baseball world of teams doing that too like everyone's hitting homers okay well now the marlins are really good they all hit singles like so like there's there's examples of of people uh doing that and i i love it it's also just like very much like a. uh uh I don't know, like Iserman's type is just like 6'6 six, six Swedish defenseman. Like that's yeah. just – we're going to have a whole blue line of, of you know, like very, very large uh, European defensemen. And so I, I think that his – throughout this rebuild, he has – he was given nothing when it came to prospects, right? When the handoff was made, he was given nothing. There was not a – very, very few prospects in that pool – um, that are like still like even close to impacts players today, a couple, but like it's it's very few and far between. And so he trimmed off all the all the cap and all the money that was spent. He started uh, addressing the, the the blue line to shore up that side of it. To your point, and then in the last, I don't know, three years, it's been more of like they're still going to get their defenseman every draft. They're still going to get their prototype big defenseman, but. They've been, okay, we need some goal scoring at some point. And I think that that is really, to me, what the DeBrinckit trade signified was like, to me, mm. that's the date you circle on your calendar. And then it's like, that's when the Red Wings decided now is the time because mm. like, there was no goal scoring. It was the biggest problem last year. It's been the biggest issue for the last couple of years. Um, they have a lot of playmakers and no one that's willing to actually put the puck in the back of the net. And DeBrinckit certainly is a, is a shoot first goal scorer. And so like, that's... You know, like address one area through the draft, and then you can sign or trade for something down the road to put you over the edge. And I think that the timing is really the biggest part, and I I like the timing currently.
1: Yeah, I mean, Scotty brings up a good point. Um, he, Steve Eiserman does ha- definitely have a type. He definitely builds. I mean, if this was the if this was the NFL, people would say you know build the trenches, and that's essentially the yeah, NHL version right. of what Eiserman is doing. You know, those big defensemen, he likes size on the blue line, size that can skate. Uh, especially like Edmondson's a good skater and cider is a really good skater guys like that. Um, But I also think that where they ended up in these draft lotteries has a lot to do with the path they took in these, these drafts, because I mean, obviously these last two seasons, they didn't really have great odds, but there were like two or three straight seasons where they were in contention for the number one overall pick. And we all remember 2020 and Lafreniere. And yeah, he hasn't really panned out. I blame that more on the Rangers inability to develop talent. Hmm. I mean, you can't draft a guy number one overall and then stuff, stuff him on the fourth line and expect him to develop. But that's a whole different conversation for a different (laughs) (laughs) day. Tune in to lock on Rangers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. John chick does a great job. John's awesome. Uh, I think that it also has a lot to do with positional value too. When you think about it, because in the NHL, like defensemen are really hard to evaluate. You can get a goal scorer in every single draft. Like every single draft, you always hear about who is the top end goal scorers and, you know, who, what teams they're going to go to. The Red Wings in this draft passed on several guys who are touted as, like, they, they, they passed on guys like Oliver Moore and Zach Benson. And uh, uh, what's the kid's name that went to, well, was it right after the Red Wings went 10th overall? I'm drawing a blank but a uh, European kid really well known for being such a great score. It's, one of our commenters, commenters will tell, tell me what it is. Um, which draft like, is this, which, which year, this one, it's this, this year. past one. Okay. Like even this year uh, in a stack draft, they went with the a two way center, um, ha- as their pick. Like yeah. they, they, t- they clearly have a pathway because they, they, Eisenman thinks he can get scoring in pretty much any draft if he really needs it or address it via trade by a guy who just wants to simply come home and Alex to brink it. So, I, I really like the method that he's taken because, as much as I would love to have a Connor McDavid or an Austin Matthews or a Leon Drysital, you know what has all that scoring gotten them in the end? Right. In, in since the rebuild has began, they have top end scoring talent, but without defense and without goaltending, they. I mean, Edmonton made it to the Eastern Con- or Western Conference Finals, but they they can never get there. You have to have good goaltending, which is hopefully in the works with COSA and you have to have good defense if you want to win championships. I mean, that's the saying, right? Defense wins championships.
0: Sure. Sure. Uh as far as last year goes, if if your fan base needs someone to blame, they can blame me because uh Adam Denker from Locked On Lightning and I host the what well, we did, uh the Thursday NHL, locked on NHL show. And at the trade deadline, we we gave our teams that we thought were gonna make a run. I picked the Detroit Red Wings. So uh, I don't, I'm not saying I have like the kiss of death, but uh, it's all part of the plan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so that, that's totally my fault. All right, everybody. So like I said, in the beginning of this episode, there's always a lot to talk about when it's the avalanche and the Red Wings. So of course this episode went a little long. So what we're going to do is break this up into two parts. If you just watched part one. We will put out part two on Saturday, you're not going to want to miss that because it's a continuation of a great conversation with we had, that we had with those guys over at Locked On Red Wings. So thank you for tuning in and listening to part one. Like we said, part two will be out uh, likely Saturday morning or maybe even Friday night. We'll see how it goes. But either way, thank you for tuning in uh, and definitely, like we said, check out part two. Appreciate you guys tuning in.
1: Go, Abs, go!